um, I'm going to do my best to deliver it uh, to the church. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number four. If you don't have your Bibles, have no fear. Our projector is here. And the lights are on. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. And then I want to look at Hosea chapter number 10 and verse 12. In my years of ministry, I don't believe that I have preached a sermon or given a word directly from these verses of scriptures, although I've heard them my whole life and maybe interspersed them. But I believe God's given me a word for our church. And I'm praying that he enables me to do that today, to deliver that word. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. I want you to notice that uh, it says, break up your fallow ground. And he says, circumcise yourself and take away the foreskin of your heart. So he's talking to men here who were already physically circumcised, but there was a spiritual circumcision, circumcision of the heart that he was asking for are a breaking up a removal of flesh. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. The Bible says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and reign righteousness. In both of these verses, Jeremiah and Hosea, these Old Testament prophets instruct the people of Israel to break up their fallow ground, break up the ground in their life, in their heart that is hardened, impenetrable, perhaps woven with the root systems of weeds and thistles, to break it up. And the reason that it needs to be broken up is that the seed is not profitable on fallow ground. We l learn from other passages of Scripture that when the seed falls on the wayside, that the birds of the air have opportunities to snatch it. And Jesus explained that means that when the seed is sown on fallow ground, Satan has the opportunity to steal the precious seed. And it doesn't produce the right kind of harvest. So I want to preach, uh, teach for a few moments today on this subject. The plow precedes the planter. The plow precedes the planter. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the anointing and the direction of your Holy Spirit. It makes all the difference in our lives. Jesus, we're praying right now that you would speak to us because we want to be changed. Lord God, I pray, Jesus, for those who are discouraged, let them be encouraged by the word today. Lord, those that are hard and resistant to the word, let the word break through. Those, Lord Jesus, who are wondering why they aren't bearing fruit, I pray, Jesus, that they would 
gain revelation today from your word that fruit in due season will be born but first the plow has to be applied and I thank you Jesus for your mercy to us thank you for your love Lord God thank you for your goodness in the name of Jesus we pray and everybody said amen amen if you're thankful for the presence of the Lord you feel clap your hands and you may be seated One of the things that I think is very clear about the Bible that you can learn quickly is that it is a very organic book. The Bible is full of many, many references to the living things that grow from the earth. In fact, the first story in all the Bible is a story that took place in a garden. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2.8 says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life in the midst, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So here in this garden called Eden, there was a profusion of growth of vegetables and fruit plants. And as such, Man's very first job, the first job of humanity, was that of a gardener. God told Adam to dress the garden and to keep it. And so from God himself, Adam learned the art of keeping the ground, tilling the ground, and being a gardener. God was saying, in essence, to human beings, you have to learn how to do this. But to get a little deeper understanding, I want us to look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. This is something that caught my attention this week, something I never noticed before. It says, And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. I want you to listen to another translation of this. It kind of makes it more clear. It says, no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. So these particular herbs that the ground was going to bring forth were not given until God had a plan to produce a man who was going to till the ground. The principle is, is that uh, the miracle of the seed and the miracle of the planting and the growth of these things was waiting on someone who was willing to till the ground because the plow would precede the planter. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, the Lord says to Adam, in the sweat of thy face, shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. Catch this now. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. God says, Adam, you're going to have to till the ground because you were taken out of the ground and you will return to the ground. You are dust and to dust you will return. God is saying in essence to Adam, 
You need to learn how to till the ground and work the ground because you're made out of dirt too. And there's going to be some tending and working and plowing and tilling of this old flesh that you're going to have to learn how to do. Two things we notice real quick in these passages. Number one, we are from the soil. We're human beings. Our humanity is from the earth. The Bible makes it clear we were formed from the dust of the ground. You're like, no, I was made by my mom and I came out of her tummy. But the first man was made from the dust. And every man since then has returned to the dust. So our human nature is from the soil and from the earth. And secondly, we learn that we are to discover the art of working the ground. Man was given the responsibility to learn how to till or to plow the soil. Now there is a spiritual connotation hopefully you're picking up. Because later we are instructed as people of God that we are to bear fruit. There is fruit that is to be produced from our life. Anybody that knows anything about plants and plant life understands that fruit has its roots ultimately in the soil. It's planted in the soil. It grows from the soil and eventually the plantings and trees and so forth produce fruit. And so this supernatural element Fruit that's produced from the life of a believer has to come from this thing called our flesh. There has to be a working and a preparing of our flesh for the divine seed in order for there to be fruit that's born in our lives. And just like Adam was instructed that you learn how to till the ground so it can produce fruit, as people of God, this body that came from the dirt still has characteristics of the dirt and has to be managed and cared for the right way in order for our lives to produce the fruit of the Spirit and the good fruit that God wants us to produce. Amen. John 15, 8 says, To this this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples when there is fruit that is born. So whenever there is a plant or whenever there is a tree that produces fruit, we see that there are two parts. There is the soil that's prepared, and then there is the seed that's planted in the soil. Seeds are fascinating to me. I don't know about you, but I think even scientists are baffled by the power of seeds. It can lie in a dormant state, have no apparent ability, no apparent usefulness other to be consumed. But then when you put it into the soil, it becomes miraculous. It becomes supernatural. Come on now, I don't even think scientists understand what takes place in that seed to cause it to bloom and bring forth. And why is it, uh, why is it when the egg is inseminated, why does it produce life? And scientists come, can observe it and uh, they can recognize the points of uh, uh, inception and conception. But I don't believe they fully understand why it happens because it is that uh, supernatural divine element uh, in the seed. 
Amen. But the soil is just the dirt. It's just the earth. But when the seed gets placed in the soil, when the soil is prepared and the seed is placed in the soil, something dynamic and powerful happens and something transformative takes place. Amen? I hope you follow me right now that there are divine seeds, seeds of purpose, seeds of vision, seeds of God's anointing, seeds of faith that when they are put in a heart, in a spirit, in a person that is prepared for it, it can produce a harvest that is miraculous, a harvest that is inexplicable by human means. Only it can be said of the harvest that this is a work of God. Look what God did through that life that everybody else threw on the dust heap. Look at what God did through that person who looked like they had no potential, no power, no ability, no value in society. You know what? They got their heart prepared and a divine seed. Divine seed was deposited. When that seed was planted, it had the power not just to reproduce itself, but to reproduce and multiply itself. See, in the Bible, there's 279 references to seeds. Many times it's talking about your offspring or your future generations. Then it's talking about the seeds of faith that we see, the mustard seed, so on and so forth. The concept of the seed in my heart and mind is that which is looking forward instead of looking backward. Amen. Guess what? When I stepped into this thing called the church, when I receive this thing called the Holy Spirit when I experienced this thing called the new birth experience and received the gospel message my life became forward looking I'm 40 years old this next year but I'm still looking forward I'm not looking back amen I know that the best things are ahead of me and when you sow a seed good things happen when the seed gets in your heart, good things transpire. John chapter 12 and verse 24 says it this way. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What is it saying? It's buried. And when something is buried, usually that means the end. But a seed is supernatural. And when it is buried, it bringeth forth much life. Amen? And when the seeds of God's promise get deposited in the heart and the minds and the spirit of a believer that is ready to receive and ready to believe the word of God, it produces a great harvest. Can I get an amen? We see in uh, other passages of scripture where the seed would fall on good ground. Or some of it fell on bad ground. There are 5,000 personal promises in the Word of God. These are seeds of faith that God wants to produce a harvest in your life. Anybody sick and tired of seeing everybody else blessed? Anybody else sick and tired of seeing God's favor on other people's families? Anybody ever sat back and wondered, God, what's wrong with me? Why aren't the blessings coming my direction? I want to tell you today that the parable of the sower makes clear to us that every seed that's cast is not going to produce a harvest. Every seed that's cast is not going to produce 30-fold, 
sixtyfold, a hundredfold. Many seeds that are cast may begin to grow and die, or others on the wayside ground can be taken away. Now I want to share with you today what the Lord spoke to me in prayer Monday. That in Christianity today, in the church world, people are interested in seed preaching. They want me to encourage you. They want me to speak a word of faith for your future. They want you to receive something that's going to produce a harvest and say, God's going to bless you and God's going to bless your family. And God's going to multiply your resources and, and, and God's going to multiply your influence. And hey, brothers and sisters, there's a time and place for everything, but there's too much precious seed being cast onto the wayside. Too much precious seed being cast into fallow ground. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said there are some people that before they worry about the seed, they need to let the plow work in their hearts. Uh, because in order for the seed to have any value or to do anything good or to profit them any, there has to be a heart that's prepared because the planter, amen, has to be preceded by the plow. I was uh, raised in Iowa until I was 12 years old, a land where literally there are more pigs than people. It's the truth. Look it up. And I went and watched little piglets being born. And uh, most of the members of the church that I attended as a child, my father was a pastor, were farmers. Not only that, but my mother was raised on a farm and many times we had the privilege of going to the farm as children before her father passed away and uh, we got to enjoy the agrarian lifestyle in fact my father grandfather whose name was Doyle Jenkins uh, was a successful farmer at one point farmed almost a thousand acres of land and in his uh barns that we would go out in as children and play. He had all the latest and greatest of farming equipment. And then there were those special times when we were there visiting and they would either be during harvest time taking out the combines into the field and harvesting the corn. And we would get the opportunity to get up early in the morning and climb into the combine with my grandpa or my uncle and sit beside him and uh, watch as the the field was uh, being harvested. And I know here in L.A. you don't get to see that very much. And m m a lot of you have probably never been in a combine before. But I was uh, driving. I, I drove a combine before I drove a car. And, uh, in fact, this is the story that when my father, who was an aspiring minister, married my mother, who was a young lady who was raised on a farm, at their wedding, one of the guys came up to my father and said, Ronnie, I want to tell you something. You just married about the best tractor driver in Boone County. And he's like, great, that's just what I needed. Amen. So I remember, I remember the smell of the soil. I remember the uh, smell of the outdoors. And I also remember looking at the implements in the barn there. And uh, one of them was very interesting because it had big flaps where you would lift it up and in there they had the different types of seeds that were preparing this was the planter and it could plant seeds in a variety of the rows multiple rows 
And, uh, you know, I, I would ask questions and got a little bit of understanding that the harvest that was coming that was going to uh, fill up the grain bin that was over there on that side of the yard was going to start just with these few seeds that were going to come through the planter. There was going to be this huge harvest that would come, and that's how Grandpa was able to drive a nice car and per- pay for all this equipment. It was because the, the harvest was so much greater because of the miracle that took place in the soil that was worked. But there was another implement in there, and it was called a plow. And the plow was not as fancy as the planter. In fact, it looked like a, a, a huge, sturdy rake, if you would. It had several prongs that were like this. This was the plow. And I remember sitting next to my grandpa on the, on the, the wheel cover of the John Deere tractor as we would go onto the soil, the Indiana soil that had been through a few months of winter, snow. The ground was hard and crusty. And I remember him taking and dropping that plow into the soil, boom, and then taking the tractor and revving it up, and and it would bear down and begin to cut through and dig through all of that thick crust of the ground. He would finish a row and come back to another row. But one principle that I learned, it's pretty simple, it's not very profound, but I learned going and visiting my grandpa's house is that you didn't get the planter out until you ran the plow over the ground. And this was ground that had been planted in before. This was not virgin territory. They had a crop there last year. But because of the nature of season, soil needed to be plowed again. You couldn't plow it just once and then use the planter year after year after year. Every time before you engage the planter, you had to get the plow out. Anybody ever seen a rototiller before? That's a L.A. plow. Because you got smaller spots to work. It spins up the soil. It breaks up the hardness. It breaks up the crust. Amen? Let me tell you today, you still got to bust the crust before you plant a promise. You can't expect God's promises to flourish in your life if there is not a plow. Now, why is there a need for a plow? The reason is we come from the dust. We are, our humanity is connected to the soil in its nature. So guess what? With the passing of time, we become hardened. With the passing of time, events, seasons, processes, hurt, offense, causes us to become hardened. Somebody said this, and I got mad. What happened? My heart became hardened. See, the problem is, is you can come to church and still need the plow. You can be faithful to the house of the Lord and still need the plow. Here's the problem. Everybody loves the planter. Everybody gathers to hear the preacher that runs the planter. But nobody wants the plow to run over their life. Nobody wants the plow to come through. Amen? We're resistant to the plow. We want the planter. But the seed is wasted and the enemy can steal it if the plow doesn't come through. Because what does the plow do? It creates furrows. 
it gets down below the crust into the, 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 the supple and malleable portions uh, of the ground so that when the seed is deposited, it's there and it can take root and it can flourish. And I want to tell you today that God spoke to my heart. God spoke to me and said, listen, listen, buddy. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. It doesn't matter how well you know the Bible. It doesn't matter how connected you are to the body of Christ. You're still dirt and you're going to get hardened. Events are going to happen. Circumstances, situations are going to take place just with the passage of time. You can sit in church and hear preach and say amen and jump up and down and still have a hard heart. It's flesh. Flesh forms. Amen. When we struggle with this world, we live in this world. We live in that. You're not in heaven yet. You live in this world and because of that, your flesh is susceptible. It's not that you're a bad person. It's your flesh. Your flesh becomes hard. Your flesh becomes resistant. And God's promises can't flourish in your life. And so there's got to be a plow that comes before the promises. There's got to be something that breaks up your pride. There's got to be something that breaks up your resistance. There's got to be something that breaks up your carnality. So that the miraculous seed can be planted. This principle is shown time and time in the word of God. Mark chapter 1, verse 2. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Can I make it plain for you? Jesus Christ the promised seed. John the Baptist, the plow. Come on now. If the promised seed of Jesus Christ would have been ineffective without the plow, I can promise you this much. Any word that I can speak into your life will be ineffective unless, first of all, there is a plow that breaks up the hardness of your heart. Come on now. All of us get bitter from time to time. All of us get upset. It's our flesh. All of us want to exalt ourselves above our brothers and sisters. It's our carnal nature. Amen? All of us end up finding ourselves struggling with lust of the flesh, falling prey to the enemy's attacks against us and those fiery darts of the devil. We do because of the process of time. And so the Word of God has to break us down. Circumstances sometimes have to break us down. We have to be willing to run the plow in our own lives in order to have fruitful life. Because I'm going to tell you right now, God has some beautiful promises for your life. God has a beautiful destiny for your life. But he knows and I know that there's no way that it's going to bear fruit until you become broken in the presence of God and say, I'm not going to fight for my own agenda. I'm not going to try to accomplish my own thing. I'm not going to hold on to my own ideas about this stuff. In Jesus' name, let the plow run over my life. Matthew 3, John the Baptist preached in the wilderness of Judea, said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is that which was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Amen. 
Guess what? In 2011, it's still the same. Amen. People gather by the thousands to come hear preachers and teachers tickle their ears about all the good things that God has promised to them. And there's never a message of repentance and never a message of surrender, never a message of brokenness. But I want to tell you today, listen to me right now. The brokenness that you despise is what creates fertility for God's purpose to be accomplished in your life. The tears of repentance are what cause the precious seed to enter your heart. Amen. God's destiny in your life will not be accomplished in your current condition. There's got to be a plow that comes through and upsets your thoughts, upsets your concepts, turns upside down everything that you thought you knew about everything in order for the purpose of God to be accomplished and established and planted in your life. The flesh has to be broken before the seed can be planted. I want to tell you that this is what, what God spoke to me is that get this point, my brothers and sisters. Coming to church is not enough. Because you can sit in church for years and not be bearing any fruit. Can I get an amen? Not bear a, a single stick of fruit and you're like, something's wrong with me. No, nothing's wrong with you. There just needs to be some breaking. Your flesh, the mind of the flesh in you has created concepts that are impenetrable by the seed. And until you are broken in the sight of God, until I am broken in the sight of the Lord, His purpose, His will, the power of His seed cannot germinate and grow from my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why are you struggling with that temptation again? Why are you fighting that same battle over and over again? Why? Because you're in the flesh. And over the process of time, if you don't stay subject to the plow... The crust is going to form again. The impenetrable nature of your soil, your flesh, is going to make it hard for God's purpose to be done. And I think you're getting the point now. The plow has to proceed. The Bible said even the people of God are carnal. From time to time, 1 Corinthians 3, 3. Are ye not yet carnal, whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions? Are ye not carnal? And walk as men. The Bible is saying when there is divisions. When there is envying between you. That doesn't come from God. That is not a thing of the spirit. Oh God I pray. Break me down. Break me down to that point that I am what you want me to be. If I have hatred or unforgiveness for anyone. It becomes a crust. It becomes an area in your life that's fallow. The Lord says, break up that area of fallow ground. Don't sow the seed among thorns. Because fallow ground never produces a crop, but it will produce a lot of weeds. It produces sin. It produces iniquity. It produces rebellion. Amen? But I thank God for the plow. I thank God for the plow that breaks me down again. The only way I can be exalted in the kingdom of God is for me to be debased. 
Brother Williams preached here a few weeks ago. He preached about descending into greatness. This is true with the people of God. We don't climb to the top of the stack like they do in the corporate world, but we say, God, break me down so that I am everything that you want me to be. Break down every element of me that exalts itself against the authority and the dominion of the Word of God. Break down every bit of pride in me that exalts itself against God's purpose in my life. God, the most important thing to me is I want to bear fruit. Love, patience, faith, dependability, long-suffering, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit that remains, lost people being impacted by my witness and my love and my concern. God, that's what I want more than anything. Is there anybody in the house that shares with me this passion for fruit to be produced? Some people want fruit for recognition's sake. That's a sign of fallow ground. Because when your ground gets broken, you're not doing it for you. Some people want to operate in the gifts so people will recognize and notice them. When that becomes the motive of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, it's obvious that you're in the flesh. It's an area of fallow ground. It has to be broken. And when it's broken, then God can begin to use you because He knows you're not going to use it to to be divisive. You're not going to use it to hurt anybody. You're not going to use it to try to impress anybody. You're going to use it as the body, as the, the Word of God declares, for the edification of the body of Christ. But I can speak seed into your life all day long. But it falls on fallow ground and the enemy comes and takes it. I'm tired of wasting seed. Let the word of God break us. Let the word of God prepare us. Let the word of God put us in a position to receive what God desires to do in our lives. Can anybody say amen? The plow is your greatest friend. Because the plow is what ensures the effectiveness of the divine seed and the divine promise. I said in Christianity, there's much faith in seed preaching. But unfortunately, there's very little fruit. The problem is we resent the plow. The reason we resent the plow is we don't understand its value or its purpose. Amen. In, in, in wrapping this up, I just want to share with you three ways that the plow shows up and operates in your life. So that when you see the plow coming, you don't get angry, you don't get resentful, you don't get resistant. But you say, okay, God, not my will, but thine be done. Let your purpose be accomplished in my life. And the first way that I see the plow operate in the word of God is through preaching that changes us. The preached word of God that brings us to a place of repentance. The Bible says God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. Amen. These are the things that remove the flesh. One is preaching that changes us, brings us to repentance. Number two is prayer. And number three is adversity, trials. Listen right now. While we want promise preaching, few want the plow. Thereby there are barren fields. John the Baptist was a preacher who said, repent. That means turn from what you're doing and go another direction. 
Understand the error of your way. Don't continue 100 miles an hour, go in the wrong direction. Turn around. And the message of John produced enormous resentment among the religious people of the day. It horrified them. You mean there's something wrong with me? You're judging me. No, I'm telling you to repent. I'm telling you to look into your heart, into your life. John the Baptist is saying, and get things right with God because there's a promise coming. There's a kingdom about to be established. And if you can't repent, if you can't humble yourself and say, God, I've been doing wrong. I've been doing my own thing. I've been seeking my own uh, uh, way and my own approval. Then there is no way that you can receive the promised seed. And check it out. John was in prison and eventually beheaded. Because Herod wanted the blessing, but he didn't want the plow. The plow said, you're doing wrong. The plow said, it's not right for you to be married to your brother's sister. The, that's what it said to Herod. The plow said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the resentment uh, of humanity that was satisfied in their dust-encrusted condition said, I'll silence the plow. But when they silenced the plow, they put themselves in a position not to receive the blessing. That's why the Pharisees rejected Jesus, because they reject the plow. Amen? That's why the seed didn't come to them, because they rejected the plow. And I want to tell you today that no, longer, no matter how long you've been serving God, no matter how long you've been a part of the church, recognize that your flesh is... It, it, you come from the dust, and the same thing's going to happen over and over and over again. So I may be 50 years old. I may be 60 years old, but I still need a plow. I may be able to quote the Bible from front to back, back to front, but I still need to plow in my life. Amen? Come on, somebody. Amen. Religious pride is what keeps the plow from flowing through your life sometimes. Amen. And these religious leaders are like, who's this John the Baptist? Look at this guy. He's, he's, uh, he smells weird. He's, he's wearing bizarre garments. He just looks like a crazy wild man. He's coming in with this crazy message. What in the world are you talking about, John? You don't have the training that we do. You don't know the scriptures the way we do. What are you doing coming out of the wilderness telling us to change our ways? Who are you? Amen. Who are you anyway? And the voice of the plow is always subject to resistance to the voice of religious pride or, or that spirit of religious pride. But let something inside of me say, I want God's miracles. I want God's blessings. I want God's favor. And I know that it only comes through brokenness. Plow preaching doesn't draw crowds, but plow preaching prepares us for revival. Amen. And the plow must precede the planter or the seed is wasted or missown. What about prayer? The second thing that I mentioned. Without prayer, we become hardened and insensitive. And we don't recognize God and we don't recognize His work. Amen. I'm not saying you become evil people, but you become insensitive spiritually. God tries to drop direction into your mind, into your heart bounces off. Amen. That's why a prayerless Christian struggles. That's why if you don't pray, you won't stay. And if you don't fast, you won't last. What is prayer and fasting? It's the plow. It says, I refuse to assume that I'm okay. I refuse to assume that I've got it all together. But Lord, I'm coming into your presence right now. 
And I'm not just going to go through, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord I have cornflakes. I'm going to get down to business with God and say, God, if you find anything in me that's not like you, take it out. He's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. God, I'm praying today, Lord, if there's any resentment, unforgiveness, hatred, envy, pride in my heart. Jesus, I'm praying that you would reveal it to me. If I can't love my brother as myself, if I can't love my sister, then I know I'm not ready for a harvest. In the name of Jesus, if I'm allowing this in my life and that in my life, if I'm looking at this now and watching this again and allowing these things into my life, God, I pray that you would speak to me again because I desire a harvest. I desire your purpose be accomplished in my life. Sister Becky, I don't want to embarrass you, but stand up right now if you would. Sister Becky is here praying every morning at the church. Every morning. Every morning. From 6, 6.30 to 7.30 or so. Praying every morning. Hallelujah. And I hear her pray. I don't sit and listen, but I hear you pray. She's breaking up the fallow ground. Well, you've been serving God a long time. You were raised in church. You should be beyond that by now. No, she's breaking up the fallow ground. And I'm going to tell you right now that God is bringing harvest into her life. God is bringing favor into her life. God's bringing favor into your life. Because you know why? A part of prayer is running the plow. Staying sensitive. Staying tender. Staying connected to the word of God. See, when, when you become insensitive, you don't even recognize God at work. And you miss the seed. You miss the opportunity. Low expectations are the product of prayerlessness. But prayer has a way of God-sizing your expectations. Would you like to supersize that? I want the meal number three. Would you like to supersize that? Amen. What are you believing for? What are your expectations? Would you like to God-size that? You know how you do that? You do that by getting into prayer. Because prayer produces great expectations. You know why? Because prayer opens up the place for the seed of faith to work in your life. Explain something to you real, real quick here. Prayer creates cognitive categories. When you pray for something, it creates cognitive categories. What does that mean? It produces, it, it creates a place for the seed. There's something in, 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 uh, human uh, physiology called a reticular activating system. That's part of your body. It's a bundle of nerve cells at the base of your brain. Guess what its purpose is? The reticular activating system, or the RAS, determines what gets noticed and what gets ignored. Because if you had to process everything you saw, all the stimuli that came your way, what would happen? Well, you you'd go crazy. So since it's impossible to process all that and make sense of it all, this RAS creates categories for things that should be noticed and that which should be ignored. For example, let me, let me, let me share with you how you create a category. Anybody ever bought a blouse before? Please, guys, don't say yes. But You buy a blouse, and then next thing you know, 
you recognize that everybody else has that blouse. It's like I never saw it before until I bought it. <clears throat> when I bought a Nissan Altima, drove it off the lot, I thought it was so cool looking. Drove it. Next thing I know, I see Nissan Altimas everywhere I look. They are ubiquitous. Or how about this? Anybody ever bought a cell phone before? And then you notice the people that have the same cell phone. And then your ring phone, your ringtone goes off and you reach for your phone, but it's somebody else that has the same phone. You know why? It's because there has been a category that's created in your mind for processing these things that are familiar to you. You didn't have a category for these things before you bought them, but now you do, so you recognize them. Now, I want to tell you that praying for something or praying for someone creates a category in your reticular activating system. When you are praying for something, when you are praying for somebody, when you are praying for revival, it causes you to be more, ever more watchful and ever more sensitive to what is happening. Come on now. If you want to see and seize the opportunities that God's bringing your direction, you've got to live in a prayer mode. Four times the Bible tells us to watch and pray. If you want to make the most of every opportunity, you must devote yourself to prayer, being watchful. Amen? People who live in prayer mode are watchmen. They see further than other people. You know why? Because they are in tune with it. Uh, Amen. They're ready for the seed. Amen. They see it earlier than anyone else. And sometimes they see things that nobody else even recognizes. You know, the Aramaic word for prayer is slotha or slotha, which means to set a trap. So prayer helps us catch opportunities or catch the seed. Amen. When you are prayerful, you are ever more sensitive to what God is doing. And prayer is an opportunity incubator. It's good ground for the seed to be produced. Amen. Amen. So the preached word of God is a plow, can be a plow. Prayer is a plow that should be an operation in our life. And finally, adversity is a plow. Adversity. Difficult times, things that happen in our lives that we don't understand why it's happening, that may be painful. But God sent them as a plow because he knew that unless you were broken, no seed could be planted and no good thing could happen. We resist adversity. Tough times nobody sets out the welcome mat for. But from time to time they come our way. But I want to tell you today that adversity is a plow, and the plow precedes the planter. And the very thing that you thought was sent your way to destroy you was sent your way to create fertility within you. The very, come on now. The very thing that you thought was punishment from God is the very thing that is producing the potential for a great harvest in your life. Adversity is the seedbed of opportunity. Bad circumstances often bring out the best in us. And the people that God uses the most are often the ones who have experienced the most adversity. And when you're wondering, why am I going through this? Why am I being attacked? God, do you hate me? No, I don't hate you. God loves you. He loves you enough to apply the plow. I don't understand why. I don't understand how he works. But God's ways are above our ways. When I get mad and wonder why this relationship went sour and why it hurt me so deeply. 
that very thing that hurt you so deeply may be the very thing that produces potential for revival through you. Come on now. If you let the plow break you up, if you let the plow prepare your heart for a harvest of revival and a harvest of miracles and a harvest of faith. Amen. Come on now. There's a psychoanalysis named Alfred Adler. And he determined that 70% of artists, 70% suffered some sort of optical anomaly. Had something wrong with their eyes. He also discovered degenerative, degenerative traces in the ears of great composers like Mozart and Beethoven. What are you saying, Pastor? These guys had hearing problems. And they become great composers. Many become successful in the area of their greatest weakness. Adler believed, this psychoanalysis, that birth defects, poverty, illness, negative circumstances often prove to be the springboard of success. You know why? Because a plowed field is ready for a planter. Because a broken up field is ready for a supernatural seed. And I want to tell you today that your problems don't disqualify you from being used. It's just a plow. The problems that the enemy has tried to convince you is the very thing that is going to keep you from God using you is the very thing that's preparing your heart to be fertile for God's purpose to be accomplished in your life. Our greatest gifts and our deepest passions are often the product of our worst tragedies greatest failures. Trials have a way of helping us discover or rediscover our purpose in life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The miracle comes through brokenness. The miracle comes through brokenness. The miracle of the harvest starts with brokenness. That's why nobody, nobody God's plan is that nobody would receive His Spirit, the seed of eternity in their life, without repenting, giving their life to the Lord. The Bible says it this way. I'm sorry I went too long. I know I lost a bunch of you. I'm so sorry. But I felt God prompting me. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. In adversity, you can turn... The hurt into godly sorrow. You can turn it into bitterness. Bitterness produces no repentance. Bitterness produces a thicker crust. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. And I know a lot of people who finally reached the point where they said, God, I'm going to let you lead my life. I'm going to let the seeds of the gospel be planted in my spirit. Only after they had gone through some tragedy in their life through a divorce, through a painful experience in a relationship, it caused them to reach that point where they said, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I want to be broken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to come to the end of my fourscore years and have an empty fruit container. I don't want to come to the end of my 80 years I have a grain bin that's empty. 
Well, I've been around enough good preaching. It's been enough time in the Word. I know where the seed is. But Lord, let me live a life of brokenness before you. Jesus, I want your will to be done in my life. I want to be able to say, God, not your will, but mine be done. In that moment, that dynamic moment for a first-time believer, they used to have these people that would go west on covered wagons. They were called sod busters. Because that thick, thick, thick soil, nobody knew how fertile it was, how much potential it had to bring forth a good farm, a good harvest, until somebody came along and bust through for the first time that sod. And then that fertile soil came up from the bottom. And when a person gives their life to the Lord, it requires a breaking. <laughs> it says, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus, I'm not going to try to keep my composure. I'm not going to keep it all together, but Jesus, I need you. God, I need you. I pray today that you'd let the word break through. Let the word of God get you in a position of humbleness and brokenness before God, saying, God, I need you. Amen. Let the word of God, let your personal prayer life, I'm challenging someone today. Let your personal prayer life prepare you to reach God's opportunities and have the seed planted in your heart. Because God will send adversity if necessary to break up the fallow ground. But I want to keep myself humble. I want to keep those subtle furrows of soil so that when the seed comes, when a promise comes, boom. Somebody, break up the fallow ground of unbelief right now. Break it up because a word of faith is coming your direction. God's got a promise for somebody in this place. God's got a promise for your future. God's got a promise for your destiny. Let's stand to our feet right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm looking for somebody today. I'm looking for somebody today who says, I don't have it all together. I need God today. I don't want to leave here the same way that I came. I want my mindset. I want my mentality. I want my approach to life to be affected again, again, again. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, but I prayed through two years ago. I'm still preaching to you. But you're preaching. No, I'm not preaching just to the new. I'm preaching to you right now. Because God's got a promise for you. But before that promise comes, there's got to be a... What happens when the plow... It turns things that are on top to the bottom. Some of your priorities need to be turned top to bottom right now. The plow is coming to turn. Amen. Your priorities upside down. And put God's plan and God's favor and your hunger for God. See, flesh does that. Carnality does that. It puts things that should be on the bottom on the top. But the plow comes and turns it upside down. And the word of God is here right now. And God is speaking a word. I'm looking for that person 
who said, I want to be turned upside down. I want to be turned inside out. I want the plow to affect my heart. I want to walk with God in spirit and in truth. I want his fruit to be produced in my life. If you're that person, I want you to step out of where you are right now. And I want you to gather up around the front with us. Hallelujah. That are seeking God's favor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Let's gather in for a few moments here before we leave here today. been dealing with you about an area of disobedience in your life or resistance in your life you don't need anybody to come give you a word of prophecy you already know hallelujah and the word of God has come today maybe I didn't name it by name maybe I didn't call it out but the Holy Spirit is working right now the Holy Spirit's taken over for these fleshly lips and the plows being placed you're like, God, I, I want it. I desire your will to be done in my life. I want your perfect purpose to be accomplished in me and through me. Jesus, let the plow come over me in my life, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have become increasingly carnal. The only time you think about God is when you come to church. You don't read your Bible and you don't pray. And you're wondering why there's not a harvest that's showing up. Harvest doesn't show up just because you attend church. Harvest doesn't show up just because you say, well, I'm an apostolic or I believe this. But the harvest shows up when our lives are laid at the feet of Jesus. God, I want your purpose to be done because I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. Oh, I need a breakthrough. Hallelujah.
join and pray with someone right now because there's a work of the spirit a deep work that the spirit wants to do right now there's some people that are hungry for god to give them a breakthrough in their life hallelujah jesus god break through break through my unforgiveness lord jesus break through my shame lord god if i'm un unwilling and unable to forgive myself god i need a breakthrough let your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, work in me, work in my life, work in my family, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. I don't want to be resistant. I don't want to fight you, Lord Jesus. I want you to break through. I got to have revival in my family. Hallelujah. I got to have you bless my kids, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I got to take advantage of those seeds, those promises, Lord. Break through, Lord God. I want to grow. I want to become. I want to bear fruit. I want to bear much fruit. Jesus, shut up, Karosanda, Lava Mosiah.
Let me speak to somebody who feels broken right now. Sometimes when you're broken, you feel useless. Sometimes when you're broken, you feel like it's a product of mistakes and errors and faults. It's the end of the road. But I want to remind you, the Word of God says, break the fallow ground. Brokenness is not useless. Brokenness is fertile. Let me say it again. Brokenness is not useless. But my, my business isn't flourishing right now. I feel broken. Well, guess what? There, that's fertility. I feel like I've been lied about, mistreated, hurt, and I'm broken. That's not uselessness. That's fertility. Breaking happens first. Then comes the seed. I just want to say this too. I'm going to go out on a limb and be bold here. And just say that we're going to finish this service. This service. Monday night. Here at the church. At 8 o'clock. I'm not going to do any more preaching. I'm just going to give you a time. To let the plow work in your life. Because that's what happened to me last Monday. While I was here in prayer. Just going through my motions of prayer. Going through my little adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And, and all of a sudden the, the Spirit of God just began to break through. Break through to me. And I, and I know there's some people that you want to break through. You want to make some progress. You, and God desires that as well. Amen. And so we'll be here tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock. We're not going to say anymore. We're not going to talk or teach, but the house will be open. The air conditioning will be running if it's warm. And you can come find a place and just spend some time with the Lord. I know a lot of you are hungry right now. We've got places to go and things to do, life groups today. But tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, those of you that are close enough and able and your schedule allows, I'll see you. Let, let's, let's have a breakthrough because... I see this also on a corporate level, not just on an individual level. It starts at the individual level, but then corporately as a church. A church that knows how to get on its knees is a church that's fertile. A church that's not given to, you know, just uh, presentation and hype. But a church that's given to brokenness before God is a church that's fertile for revival. Amen. It always starts in the prayer room. Always. Amen. Churches always move forward on their knees. Always. The harvest always is produced through brokenness. Always. In Jesus' name. God bless you. I'll, I'll say one final prayer and then I want to encourage those that have kids to go down and get them. <laughs> and uh, have a great day today. But keep this in your spirit. Because God's going to give some people victory in some areas in your life as the plow breaks through turns things upside down. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing of your spirit, the power that comes through serving you, loving you, surrendering to you. Pray again for every family, Lord Jesus, represented here, every husband, Lord God. Jesus, give him the anointing, the spirituality, and the courage to be the priest of his home, Lord God, to lead his wife and children in pathways of righteousness, Jesus. Pay for every mother, Lord God, carrying the load, Jesus. Responsibility of the family. Let her be a prayer warrior. Let her be a difference maker, Lord Jesus. 
pray for single adults, Lord God, carrying a load on their own, God. I pray that you'd give them strength. Jesus, we pray, Lord God, as we go out of this place, our trust is in you, Lord Jesus. Our trust is in you, Lord God. Our trust is in you, Jesus. No matter what comes my way, I don't have to stress because my trust is in you. Hallelujah. Anyhow, thank you, Jesus. I'm trusting you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord, praise God. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name also. If you're in life groups this week, this, the lesson is on lo loving God with your soul, mind, and strength, which basically is about loving God by surrendering to Him. So it's kind of a continuation. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. By the way, I want to tell everybody that I am so thrilled and happy to be with this beautiful lady after 12 years.